Welcome into a late night edition of the Diamond Vols podcast. I am Ben McKee, joined by Eric Kane following Tennessee's 10-0 win over Alabama State on Friday night at Lindsey Nelson Stadium to kick off its 2022 run in the NCAA tournament. The road to Omaha has begun, but first it has begun with a speed bump that Tennessee had to maneuver over or around on Friday night prior to Alabama State. And uh, Eric, I'll be honest with you, when I woke up on Friday morning or when we recorded the the preview Diamond Balls podcast on Thursday night, uh, I did not expect to be speaking with Charlie Taylor following uh, the the game on Friday night. I I did not at all expect to see Charlie Taylor and, and speak to Charlie Taylor following Tennessee's win over Alabama State. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't think anybody did, Ben. Um, and I, you know, your your story up on the front page of allquest.com, He was two for thirty-one and ten starts coming into the night. Uh, I believe his average is like oh fifty-six, something like that. Um, and numbers didn't look good. And I mean, it's not like he went out there and you know drove in six runs tonight, but thought he made contact. I mean, he just missed a home run there. I believe that was the second at bat. Of course, he um, he had the squeeze uh, play that brought in a run there in the uh, in the sixth inning. I thought he. You know, caught the ball very well. Thought he managed the game very well for Blake Tidwell. Thought he had a good night. Thought he had a really, really good night. But um, it's opportunity. He took advantage of his opportunity. He will likely get another opportunity at least tomorrow. And we'll see what the future holds. But you know, sometimes that's life. Uh, you get thrown in the fire, and you gotta you know see what you can you can make of it. And I thought Charlie Taylor did a pretty good job here on a Friday night. And you know, he was he was a part of the win, uh, a big win for Tennessee, ten to nothing over Alabama State. And Charlie Taylor was in the game. For those who are living under a rock and have not seen, Charlie Taylor was in the game because Evan Russell was not made available for tonight's game. It was quite the blind side uh, getting out of my car in the Lindsey Nelson Stadium parking lot. And I get a text from a buddy. Uh, What's wrong with Evan Russell? And my response was, "Uh, what do you mean? <laughs> because I, I, I was unaware. Uh, again, this was a complete complete blindside. I think very few people knew if, if not uh, a handful and those close to the situation, but Evan Russell, not available for tonight's game. Tennessee said prior to the game that Tony Vitello would update his status after the game and that Charlie Taylor would start in his place. And obviously there are a ton of rumors circulating and we are not going to address the many rumors that that are out there. I I don't want to give life to those rumors. Tony Vitello said after the game, when he finally did speak following Tennessee's 10 to nothing win, that he received a text message from Evan earlier in the day, early Friday morning, and that he was sick. I asked him if he expects him to be available at any point the rest of the weekend. And he said, essentially, or he did say that I, I don't know. He said that, but kind of reading between the lines, at least the way I interpreted his response. I, I, I did not sound very confident that he was, he was going to make uh, another appearance this weekend. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, I, I know everybody wants to know the exact reason why Evan was not available. Again, there are many rumors, uh, many silly rumors, in, in my opinion. Tony Vitello, as I mentioned, said that he was sick. Do I think that's the complete story? No, I do not. Do I think that that there are more details and and maybe I, I don't want to say that that Tony is just flat out covering for Evan, uh, but I do think 
it is a situation to where Evan is is dealing with some personal issues and everybody should respect his space. And if those details ever come out, then then so be it. But until the until that time does come, respect his space, respect his privacy and and send some well wishes his way and, and hope that he doesn't end his Tennessee career in this fashion. So, again, I, I do think that there is more to the story than just Tony simply saying after the game that he is sick, but not my place, not anybody's place to, to speculate uh, on, on the details of, of Evan's personal life. And quite frankly, Eric, we're going to leave it right at that. Yeah, I was going to say, if you let me just get this in real quick, uh, let me to step up into the tee box just for a moment. Oh, come um, on. Really? This is a baseball podcast and you're going to say tee box? Really? Tee box. Yeah. Let, let, let me take a drive here. Um, you see a lot of Austin stuff. Austin Price Jr. My gosh. Dude, yeah, you got to stop with that because that's that that's not a don't make stupid thing. Don't make stupid comments uh, uh, about golf and, and relate it to the batter's box, and I won't. Yeah, well, you know that's uh, that's not a thing. So we're just gonna we're gonna stop that right. That was a bad word. Um, <laughs> so you see a lot of you know when something like this happens, like you see a lot of speculation, and everything, and you get people angry because they want to know answers immediately, but like. Like, that's just, that's not how this thing works, okay? Like, you don't just go up there and you don't just tweet what you what you heard or what you think or anything, like, especially if you're in a position, um, you know, from a journalistic perspective. That's just not how it works. So I saw so much crap out there tonight, and it just, I mean, it's just annoying, right? I mean, it's just, you don't, <laughs> I saw somebody, and again, I'm not trying to single anybody out, but there were a couple of them saying, oh, the 999 of this site, you know, I just love paying the 999, we should know everything first. It's like, if you don't know the whole story, you're not going to go out there and it's just as you put out speculate because that is just not how this thing works. And so uh, I'll leave that at that. But uh, yeah, I second everything you said. It is what it is. And it's it's unfortunate because uh, and again, you can't ignore it because Evan is such a big part of this team, such a big part of this team, not only from a catcher's perspective, but he's a good bat in this lineup. He's a fifth year guy. He's, um, you know, heart and soul of the team. So you can't ignore it. Uh, but it does overshadow what was a, a good opening game. And yeah, it was Alabama State. It is what it is. But a lot of good things happen tonight for Tennessee. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's just going to be the, you know, the, it's going to be dominated by Evan Russell or the lack of his presence there to that. But, you know, Tennessee off to a good start and a chance to, you know, take uh, control of this regional tomorrow against Campbell. Yes. Uh, Evan Russell is the storyline walking away from a very busy Friday. Oh, by the way, Tennessee announced plans to renovate Lindsey Nelson Stadium and, quite the fashion the the renderings look really really neat uh danny white for some reason decided to meet with the media in the top of the third inning uh, that's a separate conversation but th- there were some neat quotes and interesting quotes uh within that media availability and that that feels like the 10th storyline from the day so we'll, we'll probably save the Lindsay nelson stadium renovations conversation uh for for one of our podcasts next week but Again, Evan Russell, he's going to be the storyline, mainly because Tennessee plays Alabama State. Uh, and as details come out, as there is legitimate information to pass along, we will do that. You all will be the first to know. But in the meantime, we're, we're going to wish Evan the best and, and hope that he can get back sooner rather than later. In the meantime, Eric, your thoughts on the the loss of Evan Russell from a baseball perspective Moving forward against Alabama State, you you can get away with with playing Charlie Taylor, but as you start to face teams like Campbell, uh, maybe a Georgia Tech later on in the weekend, 
and and really you can get away uh, against those two teams with with playing Charlie Taylor in, in my opinion but as you get into super regionals if Tennessee is able to make it out of this weekend as you get to Omaha I think that's when it becomes a, a bigger conversation what are your thoughts on the loss of Evan Russell from the baseball standpoint yeah this is uh this is an extended period of time type situation um this is a huge loss and I was thinking about this tonight during the game um, and, you know, Tennessee's such a good baseball team, right? And, you know, we can nitpick all day long about how you can get better for sure. But this would be uh, this would be a weakness now for the University of Tennessee. And we're talking about, you know, the shortcomings or I don't even want to phrase it as that. We talk about the missed opportunities, you know, throwing out base runners and all that. And it's not just Evan, it's the pitchers and all that. That's been a that's been an ongoing discussion all season long. He had a really good showing in the in the uh, SEC tournament. But, you know, if this is you know, if his absence out on the field is going to be prolonged um, and, and you do have Charlie Taylor back there, I think he's fine defensively. But I mean, that's a spot in the order, you know, in the nine hole that it's it's a weakness from from here on out. And, and, and you know, that's something Tennessee can overcome for sure. It's not the end of the world. You still have guys up and down that line that can just straight rake. And I mean, it was a nice story tonight. I thought he had some good ABs. And I, of course, he, you know, was responsible for driving in a run. But I mean, that's. Um, it's unfortunate because you are certainly taking a downgrade significantly uh, in the order there without the the bat of Evan Russell. And so that's just my biggest takeaway. Is it the end of the world? Absolutely not. This team can overcome that, but it's definitely not nothing. With, without a doubt, it's not nothing. And, and, and more so from a, a leadership standpoint, like a heart and soul glue guy, whatever you want to call that. I don't want to phrase him as a glue guy because, again, he's 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 much better than the guy that's – a glue guy is a heart guy, you know, this guy that's just not very good, but the team loves him, right? Evan Russell's not that. He's a good baseball player for sure. Um, but uh, I think it's more or less from a camaraderie standpoint, leadership standpoint, more than anything really that uh, Tennessee will be missing. But they can overcome it. I have no doubts about that. But uh, it's it, – it's, it's um it's disappointing um you know for sure because this is a big loss for Tennessee. It is. It is. I, I've spoken all week in the last several weeks of how I think Evan Russell is the MVP of this baseball team from mainly a, a leadership standpoint and what he was able to do transitioning to catcher just over one offseason and and this being his first year of doing so it, it's a it's a big loss from from that leadership perspective and the rapport that Evan has built up with the starting pitchers. Now, that's not to say that Charlie Taylor does not have a rapport with the pitchers. Charlie is very familiar with, with the arms that are going to be out there. The arms are very familiar with Charlie. Charlie's or Blade, rather, Blade Tidwell, said after the game that he, he was aware of Charlie Taylor, the catcher, in the sense of we had worked together before because, according to Blade, Charlie catches his bullpens throughout the week. And I'm, I'm sure all Charlie's caught all the pitchers. I mean, just because Charlie doesn't play a ton or hasn't played a ton until this point doesn't mean that he's just never caught. I mean, you got to think how many guys are throwing bullpens throughout the week and they've been doing it all year long. And Charlie, I guarantee you, has caught each and every one of those pitchers at some point over the last several months, if not multiple times. So uh, th there's not a huge drop off in rapport. I don't think, but but you still are missing that veteran presence that that Evan has. And then look, you're also missing Evan's bat in the lineup. He he turned into a complete hitter, as I have detailed throughout the last several weeks. He he was not only hitting for power, but he was hitting well over 300. He was getting on on base via walks. He was a doubles machine, and, and he was just another threat in the lineup at the bottom of the lineup. So I know, yeah. 
So it's just it's really unfortunate. And and then again, defensively, not Yadier Molina back there trying to throw out runners, but doing a great job of stealing pitches, framing pitches, keeping the ball in front of them, giving the pitchers confidence. You're going to miss a lot of intangibles with Evan Russell if he's not able to come back. But I, I don't think there's going to be a, a steep drop off with Charlie when it comes to the glove. And although you're really, really going to miss Evan's bat, the main priority for Evan and Charlie and any catcher is the defensive side of things. And there's not going to be some steep drop off in that realm. So at least you have that. Yes. Maybe you have essentially a guaranteed out. At least that's what the stats say at this point in terms of Charlie's bat, but there's not going to be a drop off defensively. And I think if there was a steep drop off defensively, that would be the the much, much bigger issue. And, and who knows? Maybe Charlie's able to get something going with the bat. He nearly hit a two-run home run tonight against Alabama State. And, again, I know he hasn't looked good in games this season, but it's been communicated to me, and not tonight because he's playing all of a sudden, but several weeks ago, that he hit the ball well during fall ball. He, he hit the ball well during fall ball. And remember who he's hitting against, these Tennessee pitchers that we talk about all the time. So I think that's where they'll miss – Evan the most is just the bad. And as long as Charlie doesn't look bad with the glove, Tennessee will be just fine. Speaking of the glove, how about Blake Tidwell tonight? Eric Kane Blade Tidwell was Blake Tidwell. And again, not that he's been bad this season, but that was the vintage Blake Tidwell that I've been preaching about Tennessee needing to build up and have him ready to go for the postseason. And sure, it was Alabama State. But the stuff that he had tonight would have played against anybody. He had complete command. He had all three pitches working for him. And as a result, he pitches into the eighth inning with two outs, 93 pitches. Uh, I believe 63, 64 of them were strikes. And my favorite stat, in addition to that one, zero walks. And, and that tells the story of Blake Tidwell on Friday night at Lindsey Nelson Stadium. Yeah, he was awesome. Um, I, I'm with you. I don't care who was, you know, in the batter's box that he was stepping in against and and, and going against. Um, he was he was fantastic. He was working with confidence. He was working fast. Um, all of his pitches were working. His fastball was, you know, high 90s and and looking really really good. I mean, this is this is a Blade Tidwell that we saw a lot last year. This is a Blade Tidwell that you know we've seen working himself, you know, longer and longer and working through, you know, battling. And Tony Vitello said post game that you know Blade Tidwell has learned a lot about himself. He's learned a lot this year throughout his journey and. I mean, what a time to kind of come out here and, you know, go a season long seven innings and two thirds. Um, so, you know, a side to come, hopefully, if, you know, once Tennessee, um, you know, if Tennessee takes care of business the rest of the weekend, you go on to Supers. And of course, you know, from, from there on out, you know, you, you start off a series of Blade Tidwell like that. You go to Chase Dolander and then you still have uh, Burns and Beam and Sewell and, and, you know, all these guys just, just sitting there waiting. Uh, you're in a great spot, but Blade Tidwell. Evan Russell, the story of the night. Blake Tidwell should be the story of the night because he was he was marvelous. He was he was absolutely incredible. I mean, Tennessee could not have gotten off to a better start, uh, you know, in, in terms of being on the field tonight um, than they did, and that's because of because uh, because of Blake Tidwell. Yeah, but again, that that was first round pick Blake Tidwell. That's that's why you see him predicted to go in the first rounds of these mock drafts and. Uh, good luck finding a better one-two punch in the country with Blake Tidwell and, and Chase Dolan. There's uh, a lot of pitching staffs that that leave a lot to be desired this season. A lot of injuries this season with some big-time pitchers throughout the country. And as a result, 
it, there's been a, a search for these teams with with great pitching. That's what separates Tennessee so much is is that there's a, a lack of pitching. And if if you get that Blake Tidwell throughout the postseason paired with what Chase Dolander has been doing, and then you have Chase Burns and Drew mm-hmm. Beam and Camden Sewell on the back end, you already have a filthy bullpen. That's going to lead Tennessee to a national championship more so than the offense would, which gets all the attention because everybody loves the home run. Yeah, for sure. And, and just like we spoke on the SEC tournament, you know, there was a couple times in Hoover last week where it took the bats a little while to get going. I mean, they started exploding just like they did tonight in innings, you know, five, six, seven or four, five, six, seven or whatever. And and that was kind of the case. I mean, Tennessee pushed across one in the second, pushed across one in the four, thanks to Real Ortega both times. Um, you know, and so when it's a close game right there through the first four or five innings of the game, if you have a pitcher out there just absolutely shove and you're sitting there, I mean, I'm sitting there watching the game tonight. I'm saying, man. Tennessee's bats, they need to start coming alive. I'm sure they will, but it doesn't matter because Alabama State's not going to get nothing against Blay Tidwell the way he's throwing. You allow your offense time to catch up, and and that's that's the most impressive thing, I think, about Tennessee's starting pitcher, pitching for the majority of this year, especially lately. You know, they're buying their offense time to catch up because you know that offense is going to come, and just sure enough, it did tonight. So, I mean, he was pitching, um, you know, typically when you're when you're humming like he was, you're you're about 10 pitches, you know, somewhere around 10 pitches over the innings you pitched so far. So if you like through three, you're like 41, 42 pitches through four, 51, 52. He was around that mark for the for early portions of the game, and um, he was awesome. So I, you know, I I, uh, I second what you say about him and Chase Dolander. I mean, <laughs> good luck to anybody, you know, in here the Knoxville Regional potentially in supers with those two guys starting games one and two for you. To put a bow on Blake Tidwell's performance, I thought the Alabama State head coach had two really cool comments about him after the game. Uh, the first being that Blake Tidwell had all three pitches working tonight: the fastball, the changeup, the slider. And there's a lot of talk about Blake Tidwell being a first rounder and the Alabama state head coach said, if that's not a first rounder, I don't know what is. (laughs) And and he also said that he watches a lot of professional baseball and Blake Tidwell tonight against Alabama state was better than some of the big leaguers that he watches on television every night. So high praise for Blake Tidwell, really fun to watch him go to work. He's a maniac on the mound. He he is the pitching version of Drew Gilbert. And it's so fun uh, to watch him pitch. Uh, Before we discuss Campbell on the way out the door, I do want to touch on the offense a little bit. You you did bring it up for a moment talking about you were waiting on the offense to get going. Uh, It did take them a while to get going. Not, not really sure why, uh, there's almost a weird feeling throughout the stadium because of the Evan Russell situation. Maybe that was just me, but hard not to think that maybe that that had the team in, in a little bit of a funk, even if they didn't realize it. I also thought Breon Pooler, the starter for Alabama State, my fellow Calhoun Community College graduate and, and fellow Huntsvillian, uh, who I, I played against his high school, uh, he, he looked pretty good uh, against this lineup. He pitches into the fifth inning. He did give up three runs on eight hits, but it took Tennessee a while to figure him out. Uh, just a, a really big competitor, and and I enjoyed watching him uh, pitch tonight. And, again, he kept Tennessee off balance for those first couple of innings. Jarrell Ortega kind of carrying the load early, has an RBI double in the second inning, hits a solo home run off the top of the batter's eye in the fourth inning, a, a very impressive home run there and then it kind of opened up after that Tennessee scores another run in the fifth inning that's when Charlie Taylor had his beautiful beautiful squeeze bunt and then Tennessee scores five in the sixth inning to to really really open up the scoring Uh, you had 
or excuse me, Jordan Beck, his sack fly was in the fifth inning. Charlie Taylor started the scoring in the sixth inning with his sack bunt. Luke Lipsius, he then has an RBI single. Jordan Beck, two-run home run that he absolutely crushed as well. Drew Gilbert hit a pop-up that ended in the Tennessee bullpen for a solo home run. Uh, the seventh inning, Blake Burke hit a piss missile, as we like to say. Still can't believe he hit a line drive right over the scoreboard. That That is just amazing. And then in the eighth inning, Jordan Beck hits his second home run of the game, a solo shot. So good to see Tennessee get into the bullpen of Alabama State and really take advantage. And in addition to Blake Tidwell, that proved to be the difference in the game. Yeah, it sure did. I just think early on, too. I mean, Tennessee just wasted some opportunities, right? I mean, it. The offense left a base runner on in inning one, inning two, inning three, inning four. It left three on in the fifth inning, and so it just wasted a ton of opportunities where you could have could have taken control of the game, you know, at a much earlier pace, right? But nonetheless, again, it did you know score a run in innings two, four, and five. So you're up three nothing. It just felt like it could be so much more. But again, the white blade table was throwing. It was like, okay, you know, that's likely going to be enough. But it came around, you put up five in the six, and you added on another in the seventh and the eighth. But uh, nonetheless, I mean, regardless, you know, we've seen it uh, again. It, it happened a couple times at Hoover. You just know that eventually it's it's going to come alive. But I thought Jordan Beck was fantastic tonight again, two for four, as you mentioned. Drove in four, had two home runs. Um, you know, thought he looked really, really good, obviously. Thought uh, Luke, Luke Lipsius looked really good. Had a three-hit day, of course. He had a couple guys. He had one, two, three. Four or five guys who have multi-hit days. He had he, the only Tennessee volunteer to have three hits on the day. Stole a base as well uh, early on in the game. And so I thought he looked really, really good. Jarrell Ortega, and of course, again, one of my favorite moments anytime Blake Burke gets up there. He, By the way, he is going to – I've seen this comment a, a, around here tonight, and I couldn't agree more. He is going to shatter the home run record if he stays healthy. Um, it is – his swing is so pretty, so pretty. And that, that line drive that he had out tonight, I mean, I, I want to know – I want to know exit velocity. I'm sure you guys had it up there. Um, you know, we did not. Uh, we did, did not because because it's the NCAA tournament. Tennessee cannot use its cameras that it typically uses okay. to to gather that data. They have to put tape over it or or whatever. So we did not have, and Tennessee doesn't even have access to the numbers, which is another absurd, stupid rule the NCAA has. Oh, by the way, tomorrow night when Tennessee hosts Campbell. Tennessee will be the away team. At least they get the stand their own dugout, right? So stupid. I mean, that's it, it's beyond stupid. You're the host team at the host site for a regional, and you won your game, and you got to be the away team, whatever. But nonetheless, I would love to see the exit below off the bat of that home run from Burke, and I would love to know how long it took from the bat to clear the fence because it was the blink of an eye. So I thought the offense, once it did you know, start to get humming, and credit Drill Ortega for you know driving in a couple of runs earlier in this game to – to get Tennessee out in front. But uh, at the end of the day, you can't really complain an awful lot about the offense. It came around. It came around in a big way. Ten runs off 15 hits. Speaking of offense, Campbell put on an offensive show earlier in the day, <laughs> beating uh, Georgia Tech 15-8. to eight. Uh, Campbell hit four home runs. J- Jared Belbin, he hit a home run. Uh, Logan Jordan, he hit one. Uh, Ty Babin, he hit one. Tyler Halstead, he hit one. Uh, just a lot of homers 
from that Campbell lineup. And, and that's not even their best player, Zach Nito, getting in on the action, although I did see him hit two balls to the warning track. The ball was was flying out there in that first game and begs the he question. Just, real quick, he just finished with three hits and scored four runs, you know, not too shabby. There were three, four, five hitters. Each had three hits on the day. Yes, they had 16 hits in six innings. 16 hits in six innings. They finished with 18 hits, which was, you can only imagine, a program record in an NCAA tournament game. But it begs the question because – we mentioned how bad the Georgia Tech pitching was on the preview podcast. It is butt booty terrible, or <laughs> in another word, it is ass. Um, so uh, it, it begs the question that that offensive production from Campbell, how much of it is them? How much of it is really, really poor Georgia Tech pitching? I would say it's a mixture of both. Yeah, I think it, I think that's safe to say is a mixture of both. I mean, they, they they've got a decent lineup. We discussed, uh, you know, in the preview pod that they got some guys that can stroke it in that lineup. And we mentioned, you know, we name called a couple of those guys and like Nito and and whatnot. But again, Georgia Tech um, just just abysmal on the mound all year long. It's been it's been the reason why that offense has probably been so good because they've had to score so many runs to to win as many games as they did. So I think. It's a combination of two. Um, starting pitcher for Georgia Tech got tagged for five runs in an inning and two-thirds. Campbell put up a f- five runs in the second and in the sixth. So um, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, as it, we've mentioned as well, you know, Campbell uh, Harrington is a stud, but their number two guy is not bad. But um, I think Tennessee's offense can hit with anybody. And I'm intrigued to see, you know, this lineup, what it can do after the impressive game one against Georgia Tech against Chase Dolander, because that's like – you know, I mean, that, that that's like playing, you know, high A ball and then going up to the show, right, um, in, in terms of, um, you know, what you got one day to what you're going to get the next day. So um, I, I think that it will be tampered a little bit, not to say that they won't push some runs across. That could happen. Um, but I think that it'll be a completely different story come tomorrow night. Yes. And the starting pitchers for Campbell and Tennessee tomorrow night will will dictate the outcome of the game. Campbell did throw their best pitcher, Thomas Harrington, and uh, he did live up to the hype. And, and you would think, I don't know for sure, but you would think Cade Cooler, their sophomore right-hander, would, would be the guy that that starts for them. I have not seen comments from their coach following the game, so I don't know if he has announced that or, or not. But uh, just looking at the stats, it would appear that Cade Cooler would be the guy to go to. He started 14 games this season, 4-5, and five, but a 3.62 ERA over 77 innings. And uh, we mentioned on the preview podcast that Thomas Harrington, 109 strikeouts to 16 walks. Well, Cade Cooler, 101 strikeouts to 36 walks. So uh, quite the, the the really good stat right there for, for Cade. That, that's exactly where you want it as a pitcher in terms of your strikeout to walk ratio. But he, assuming he starts, and Chase Dolander, who – Tony Vitello did confirm as if it needed to be confirmed. It, I mean, it's not rocket science. We, we all knew Chase Dolander was going to start game two, uh, but he did confirm it post game when somebody asked. Uh, those two starters will determine the game. I, I know that's super <laughs> cliche, super easy assessment for, for me to say, but I, I really do think it's, it's that simple. Uh, if Cade Cooler can limit Tennessee and, and keep the Campbell lineup in the game, then obviously that is that is really, really big time for, for Campbell. But on the flip side, if Chase Dolander 
doesn't look like Chase Dolander, then all of a sudden Tennessee is going to have to find a way to to just outscore them. I think going into the game, you think that you have the advantage of we've got Chase Dolander, and I think that will prove to be the case. I would be surprised if Chase doesn't perform well, but you just never know. You, you just never know. But if Chase Dolander is Chase Dolander, Tennessee will win tomorrow night, and I really think it's a, as simple as that, regardless of, of what the other guy starting does. If, if Chase Dolander Chase Dolander, Tennessee will advance to the regional final on Sunday, and Campbell will have to come out of the loser's bracket. Georgia Tech and Alabama State, they'll play at noon tomorrow on, on Saturday. I'd like to think <laughs> that that Georgia Tech will win that game, but after seeing Georgia Tech pitching today, I'm not quite so sure. But also Alabama State, uh, their best arm has already been thrown, so we'll see what they do pitching-wise. But, again, I know I continue to say it, but Chase Dolander's Chase Dolander. Tennessee will be perfectly fine against Campbell. And their pitching is going to be even worse tomorrow. And, my God, game three well, pitcher for, for Georgia I, I, Tech. I know. Well, I think they're throwing the, uh, the Grissom guy, Marquise Grissom, who okay. is – statistically if, if you even want to call it that their their best pitcher he, he's the one of the three starters with an era under six uh, so it looks like they saved him for game two for some reason but uh, apparently he's the best arm but it's, uh, is it really something to brag yeah. about if you're the best pitcher on georgia tech's <laughs> pitching staff yeah probably not and, and even like you know when you're, when you're looking at this matchup for tennessee and campbell tomorrow say dolan goes up there and he doesn't have his best stuff hey that happens sometimes you get in that bullpen for Tennessee. You have so much faith in in that bullpen because it's been so good all year long. If you want to go long relief with Sewell, if you want to, you know, just go inning by inning, inning two third by you know a couple innings there. And Tennessee has just so many options. That's why we continue to say, I mean, top to bottom, Tennessee is so stacked. It's got so many options in the lineup, versatility in the bullpen, guys who can start games. Uh, that now we're to a point to where we can only we can pinpoint exactly what is a weakness for Tennessee moving forward if it's for a long period of time, which would be that nine hole hitter moving forward, and that's it. I mean Tennessee again, it's just the uh, the nature of the beast. It's got that many options, so um, you know we'll see. Uh, talk, talent wise, this lineup, I think I thought this lineup can beat anybody regardless, and I don't expect Chase Dillon to struggle tomorrow, so we'll see. But Campbell, as we both thought, won the game earlier today. And that will be Tennessee's opponent. And uh, if you win tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, you head into Sunday in the driver's seat and ready to put it away. First pitch will be at 7 p.m. Eastern. TV has not been decided. They're waiting on these other games to conclude. Uh, speaking of these other games, keeping an eye on the Statesboro Regional, which is who Tennessee is matched up with. They dealt with some rain today. Georgia Southern was supposed to play the night game like Tennessee because they are hosting. That got pushed back to tomorrow because of the weather. Uh, that regional was able to get in Notre Dame and Texas Tech, and it just finished as we wrap up here. Notre Dame beats Texas Tech 3-2. to two. So I do think Notre Dame wins that regional, and so far they're off to a good start. But again, first pitch tomorrow night between Tennessee and Campbell, 7 p.m. Eastern. And I said it last week. Against LSU, Chase Dolander versus LSU, that lineup was must-see TV. I think Chase Dolander versus this Campbell lineup is must-see TV as well. On the way out the door, Eric, do you want to hear a fun fact? Let's hear it. Wins in the NCAA tournament on Friday. <laughs> Tennessee, one, Vanderbilt, zero. He's Eric Kane. I'm Ben McKee. We'll talk to you all Saturday night.